Hello friends, Denny Pruto here with another lesson on my approach to sermon preparation. In this lesson I want to talk a little bit about introductions. Introductions are key to our sermons and our introductions, as I say on the whiteboard, ought to be composed last. Compose your introduction last. Why would this be the case? Well, after you've composed the body of your sermon and after you've put together your conclusion, you're now in the best possible place to be able to properly construct an introduction for the whole package, the body of your sermon, including your conclusion. And so wait until last to formulate your introduction. And often what will happen, even if you have an idea in your head with regard to an introduction, you might wind up switching the introduction and conclusion. I can't count the number of times I've done that myself. I've put what I thought would be the introductory material in the conclusion and the concluding material, what I thought would be the concluding material in the introduction. But that just goes to show you that formulating your introduction last is the best possible procedure. And what you need to realize is that the introduction is designed to lead the people into the text. Remember, if you're the preacher, you're the one who's done the study, and your heart has been warmed uh, by the text, and you're excited about the text, the people who come uh, to morning worship have not been studying the text, their hearts are not warmed by the text, and they're not excited about the text. And so if you begin by jumping right into the text, you may easily leave the people, leave the people behind. And so you want to lead the people into the text. This ought to be part of the design of your introduction. And then you need to be concise. You only have a short period of time. For a 30-minute sermon, 10% of the sermon time is for the introduction, you have three minutes. It's not long, and you have quite a bit to do in your introduction. And finally, don't make apologies in your introduction. If uh, you're a little raspy, if uh, the laundry hasn't come out quite right and your shirt is rumpled, don't go there. Don't make apologies about your appearance or about your voice. Don't call attention to yourself. You want to call attention to your text. You want to lead people into your text. Now, what are some characteristics of a good introduction? An introduction should command attention. And one of the best ways to command attention is not with the language of the introduction itself, but with a pause right before you begin uh, speaking. And then uh, give the people an arresting statement. So pause. You may read the scriptures, pray, and then wait, wait, wait. Give the people time to focus on you. And when you have the attention of the congregation, launch into your introduction uh, with an appropriate statement. 
Remember, another thing that needs to be done in an introduction is to uncover need. If you're preaching evangelistically, perhaps the need you need to uncover is a sense of sin and of guilt in the hearts of the people. And you can simply say to them, perhaps this morning you're coming with a sense of guilt as you think about the great God of heaven. It's that guilt this sermon will address. And you want to introduce the body of the sermon, not just the first point of the sermon. I'm drawing an important distinction here, a distinction between an inductive sermon and a deductive sermon. A deductive sermon states the point of the sermon up front. An inductive sermon states the point of the sermon at the end of the sermon. An inductive sermon is reserved for an audience which is apathetic or even hostile. And you'll notice when Paul, for example, preaches on Mars Hill, he saves his main point until the end of the sermon. It's an evangelistic sermon to a hostile audience. And so it's an inductive sermon. In the inductive sermon, the introduction will introduce the first point of the sermon. But for most sermons, which are for a congregation in the church, you use the deductive method. And so you give the people the point of the sermon up front. And you introduce the sermon, the body of the sermon. And uh, this means you have to bond with the text. You uncover need and bond with the text. You take the people to the text after you uh, give them an arresting statement up front and uh, bring them to you and take the text to them, you introduce the text and bond with the text, making a statement such as, our text this morning answers the question of the need that you feel in your heart with regard to guilt and sin. And then state your sermon point or your homiletical point. And so the point I want you to get uh, friends, this morning is trust in Jesus Christ as the only answer to your sin. Trust in Jesus Christ as the only answer to your sin. And I often state the homiletical twice in order that the people get it. They might not get it on the first uh, rehearsal of it, the first time you say it, but you say it again and get the point across. Uh, recently, I preached a sermon from Hebrews chapter 6. And in verse 19 of Hebrews chapter 6, the writer to the Hebrews refers to the hope uh, that we have as an anchor of our souls. And in the final analysis, when you... Uh, examine the text and study the text, you realize that Jesus Christ, who is our forerunner and has gone into heaven before us, is an anchor in heaven for our souls. And so the main point of the sermon was 
that uh, Jesus Christ is the anchor for your soul in heaven. And I exhorted the congregation to trust in Jesus Christ as the anchor for your soul. I began the sermon uh, like this, after a pause. Anchors away, my boys, anchors away. Anchors. When the captain of a ship gives the command to weigh anchor, the anchor is brought up off the bottom of the sea. And what is that anchor for? That anchor rested on the bottom of the sea so that the ship would not drift due to the currents of the sea or because of the winds that were blowing against it. You may often be moved off of your mark and off of your position and off of your desired goals because of the currents of this life and because of the winds of opposition that come against you. Remember this, friends, that the text this morning speaks about Jesus Christ who is the anchor for your soul. And in the end, the text is leading you and me to trust in Jesus Christ as the only anchor for our souls that God has been pleased to give us. And so the point I want you to get this evening or this morning is this, friends. Trust in Jesus Christ as the anchor of your soul. You see, what I tried to do is open the introduction with something arresting. I don't usually sing at the beginning of a sermon, but in this case, I thought uh, the singing of this one verse uh, would be crucial in getting the attention of the congregation. And I was able then to uncover need by speaking about the anchor, and I introduced the body of the sermon and bonded to the text by giving the people a little bit of information about what the text was speaking about and then stated my sermon point or my homiletical point. That was a shortened version of uh, the introduction. Introductions are crucial and uh, you should remember that you need to compose your introduction last because then you're in the best position to introduce the sermon after you know what you're going to be talking about and after you know how you're going to conclude your sermon. Next time I'm going to do a little bit of a review and give you some crucial information about why a sequential outline is so crucial and what you can do when you have a shortened period of time and also how that sequential outline can easily drive home the point of your sermon. Thanks for listening.